Good morning, third and four. Good morning. Good morning. You are there. Good to see you. Good to be back. Always good to be able to bring God's word here and to fellowship with you. It's a place of sweet memories for us. We thank God for your fellowship and your ongoing pursuit of the things of God. So it is an honor to be here, and especially as we come to the Lord's table. What a what a way to finish to remember what Jesus has done for us. But before I move into this passage, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, um, but we're going to look at that in a moment, but I want to just kind of set us up, kind of ask you a couple questions to get our minds on what we're supposed to be thinking about here this morning. And simply this, what what is your focus? What is the thing that you focus on? I mean, what what keeps you paying attention at times? Yeah, I know it depends on the circumstances or, or the situation, like listening to a sermon. Hello, are you paying attention? <laughs> are you with me? What does it mean to focus on something? The focus can and often changes based on what you have to deal with. Doesn't it? There are many things today that are calling for our attention. How about war? How about earthquakes? How about politics? about morality? And the list goes on, doesn't it? But you know, there are other things that are not as catastrophic that, that call for our attention, like school, or work, or family, or church, or hobbies, or, or friends. There are all kinds of things that we can think about focusing on as well. Yet what I'm really asking for us this morning is, what's your, what's your daily focus? What do you think about and focus on on a daily basis? You know, whether we like to know it, admit it or not, we all have some kind of filter through which we process life and how we respond. There is a bottom line for every person in this room. It's kind of a reference point that we go to in trying to understand big and small things that come our way. Our text this morning gives us, I think, a glimpse as to what our focus can and should be as Christians. The call is to see everything, everything, through the eyes and wisdom of Christ as we live out our days in preparation for eternity. What's your focus today? So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it's on page 1002. And we'll be looking at, maybe at 1003, we'll be looking at verses 11 through 16. So here now, God's word. The writer says this, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fail by way of some, by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any <clears throat> two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect 
has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Much to think about just in that short passage. And there's a focus that I want us to have even as we look at this. And the focus is simply this. The Word of God. The Word of God is all about Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God is all about Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. And again, before we look too closely at this passage, I want to remind you of some unique, of a unique focus for all true Christians. And it's simply this: your focus, my focus, should be the Word of God. The Bible must be our focus. The Bible alone, hear me now, the Bible alone is the revelation of God to Himself. So when anyone says, what is God like? Is there a God? What would he be? Here's the answer. Here's the focus. You as a Christian must say, I know nothing apart from the word of God. It's that critical. As you know, Casey has been preparing for ordination. He feels the call to become a minister of the word of God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he and I have been talking recently about the importance of this Bible. And he is getting examined on the Bible very intensely in our denomination. But I can tell you, Casey himself, as one who has that conversation with him, you got a brother who already has a rooted conviction that the Bible must be central to all he does as a minister. And particularly when he preaches, the Bible has to be the center of it. And if you know anything about church history, this pulpit in the Reformation, what, one of the things that literally happened during the Reformation is that those who were bringing Reformation would actually take the pulpit that was historically off the side, and the sacraments were the center, and they switched it. They put the pulpit at the center. They put the Bible at the center. You can't understand the sacraments apart from the Word of God. So they literally, physically, put the, the, the Bible on the pulpit in the middle of the sanctuary. It's that important. It's that much of a focus. Friends, the Word of God, that we use that phrase, the Word of God, or literally, what comes out of the mouth of God, is to be our only focus for life and godliness. In other words, before we can understand anything and process the world in which we live, we must first have a biblical world view. The Bible is our only filter. It really is. It's your only filter to understand what happened in the past, what is happening now, and what will happen. You can't really understand life apart from the Bible. And the more you know and understand His Word, the more you will be able to deal with life and to understand this world. But consequently here, the more ignorant we are of the Bible, 
the more lost and confused we're going to be. Where's your focus? What's your daily reminder? If it's not through the eyes of God's Word, then you and I are set up for confusion and lostness. It's that critical, friends. It doesn't mean life becomes easy, amen? It doesn't. But we do become more confident in the God who loves, the God who saves, the God who cares for his own. So now we're going to look at this section in the book of Hebrews, which is part of the Word of God. But I want us to see that if you know anything about the book of Hebrews, it really is all about Jesus. The writer is trying to convince those who would read this that there is no one like Jesus. He was greater than Moses. He was greater than the angels. He was greater than any servant out there, any prophet. He was the high priest of all high priests. The opening verse of this book, you ought to go back and study it, but listen to the tone that it sets for the rest of the book of Hebrews. It's important to see this. This is what it says in the very first verse. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God speaks. The Word of God comes out of His mouth. Jesus is the final Word. A major theme of the Bible is the fact that God speaks. And when He speaks, He is to be listened to and obeyed. He is the voice behind the voices of the prophets. And they are speaking His words. How important is the voice of God for you and me? Here's just a couple of familiar reminders that you probably are aware of if you are familiar with the Bible. In Psalm 119, the writer says this, I have stored up or hidden your word in my heart. Why? I might not sin against you. Your word is that important. If I have your word, it's going to help me better honor you. It's that critical. Or he says later in that same chapter, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, I can see where I need to go. I won't get tripped up because your word is a light I see in a way I've never seen before. Your word is that critical. Friends, it's for our own good and our daily focus. And the context of this passage is in chapters 3 and 4. And it's a warning. This section is really a warning. A warning about you and I, our hearts being hardened. Your heart being hardened. In other words, you are hard of hearing. A warning to not be able to hear the Word of God. That's a dangerous thing. That you would lose focus and not hear that. Friends, friends let's keep this focus in mind as we look at this passage. The Word of God is about Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. We're going to look at this passage from two vantage points as you see these brief verses unfold before us. The first is we're going to understand the essence of the Word of God. What exactly is it and what does it do? But the second aspect we'll see is the fulfillment or the reality of that Word which is found in Jesus. You want to fully understand the Bible? 
Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. He's the Word of God. To see everything that the Word of God has always been who Jesus is and will always be because He is God. So let's look at that first vantage point, that first aspect, the essence of the Word of God. What is the Word of God? The opening three verses show us some of the elements of the Word of God. Let me read those again just to hear what some of the elements might be. Therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. As a quick reminder, one of the many benefits of hearing the word of God is rest. You really hear the word, your soul can actually rest in the midst of no matter what you're dealing with. Yet sadly, the history of God's people too often is disobedience and restlessness. And this is what this, these three, two chapters are all about. Don't harden your hearts as they did uh, in the desert. Hear the word of God. But let's look at what the essence of the, his word is in this passage. Two characteristics that come out of, I think we can see what the essence of the Word of God is, that jump out of us here. And the first is that it penetrates. It penetrates and then it exposes. But the first aspect is that it penetrates. In explaining how it penetrates, the writer uses a metaphor, doesn't he? It's like what? Double-edged Not a little penknife. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. In those days, a double-edged sword was a powerful weapon that, that produced immediate results. If you know how to use that weapon, you can wipe out your enemy with one stroke. You could cut him wide open with a double-edged sword. It was that powerful. The sharpness of any sword was critical. But this had two sides. Think about it. It wasn't just one thing. It was a double-edged, <coughs> sharp, penetrating weapon. But the Greek word here in using and describing God's word is that it's sharper. It's sharper than the sharpest sword. In other words, there is no weapon like it in human existence. Your nuclear bomb might be better than my nuclear bomb. But there's a weapon. There is a weapon even more powerful. It's the Word of God. This weapon is more powerful than the greatest weapon anyone could bring to bear. And when that Word penetrates, I hope you can feel as well as see, when it penetrates, it cuts. It cuts away. It divides. But the Word of God doesn't divide the flesh. It divides the heart and the mind, doesn't it? It goes after me. It digs deep. This sword pierces. 
it goes after the essence of who you and I are and what we believe, what our focus is. It pierces and discerns. It touches the nerve center of who we are and why we do life the way we do. It cuts us wide open. It's that penetrating and powerful. Now, if you understand that work of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, we call Remember that? Oftentimes we talk about the Word as the sword of the Spirit. Let's not handle that like That's a powerful thing to say. When you say, this is my sword, this is the sword of the Spirit, it's after you, <laughs> it's after me, it's penetrating. And if you understand this work of penetrating, I think it will naturally lead to the second aspect of the Word, which is to expose, isn't it? you, it gets after you and me. Why? I don't know about you, but I get very uncomfortable when I know my motives are being exposed. Whether it's by my wife, whom I love very much, by the way, <laughs> when a person close to you says, what are you doing? Why did you say that? You seem pretty self-centered. Or, or it's a close friend who knows you all too well. It still hurts. And there are times when I get angry. <laughs> and I want to deny or excuse that sin that has brought the light. And I hate that. What are you doing? Just exposing. Exposing the word of God. Not only penetrates. It makes you see. It's a mirror. This is who you really are. Look again at verse 13, and you'll see, in a real sense, right? Um, we can run. We can't hide. Everything is exposed to Almighty God. Its primary purpose, the Word of God's primary purpose, is to bring to light what has been hidden in darkness. It's been said by the great author and social critic Mark Twain. You all familiar with Mark Twain's writings and, and what he lived through in history. This is what he, one of the things he said about the Bible. Quote, the Bible. He said, quote, It ain't the parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. You can make all kinds of arguments about the Bible. But one Bible goes after you. Uh, yeah, can we talk about something else? No. Even Mark Twain, the great cynic, is aware there's something about this book that is true, that exposes. And exposure, if you understand it, demands confession and ownership for which we must give an account. God's not going to let us hide, even if we think we can. But I must pause and say, if we stop here, that would leave us on a perpetual guilt trip and give us a restless spirit of despair, wouldn't it? Amen? I mean, I, I'm dead. I can't. You're right. There's no hope. The sword of the Lord, friends, with its double edge, hear me now, also brings healing and hope, as well as its penetrating and exposing work. So we see the essence of the Word of God and its power and what it does. But what is the reality of that word? That second vantage word, what does it really mean that this is the word of God? I think that leads us to see that, which is both 
fully revealed, the, the fullness, the reality of the Word of God is fully revealed and fully expressed in the person and work of Jesus. To see Jesus is to see God. To hear Jesus is to hear God. He is the Word of God. The Word of God is about Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. I think in these last three verses, the writer is giving us another picture of just who He is. This Word of God, Jesus, is our high priest, a rich picture of the fullness of who Jesus is and why He came. He's unlike any other high priest, primarily because of His origin. You saw that. He was not from earth, but He was from heaven. And more than that, He was the Son of God. No other high priest could make that claim. I am the Son of God. In other words, He is fully God. And it's a confession you and I must hold to. It's a confession that John reiterates in the opening of his own gospel, if you're familiar with a biblical worldview, what does John say when he opens his letter? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And what? The Word was God. Who's he talking about? Jesus. The Word of God. <clears throat> But look again, this word which was fully God was also fully man. What a mystery. This high priest experienced and identified with everything we face in this broken world. He gets it. He can say, I know exactly what you're going through. I have tasted it. It was not nice. The only difference, and you can't forget this, the only difference was that his motives and his actions were always pure. Not one shadow of doubt. Jesus never sinned in his motives nor his actions. He lived a perfect life in this broken world. He never sinned when faced with the same temptation you and I face. Our high priest was perfect in every way for us. And I would argue why? Because of his focus. I have come to do the will of my Father. My food is to do what my God wants me to do no matter what. That was his daily focus. And this high priest, this living word of God, he stood on our behalf and gave himself so we would be fully forgiven. This living word, Jesus, is now seated at the throne of grace. And what is he doing now? His ongoing word to you and me who have trusted him every day is saying this simply,
I died for you, and I am welcoming you into the throne of grace. Come. Just come and rest in me. Jesus' ongoing ministry was to be the living word of God that would penetrate, expose hearts, but at the same time heal them. Look again and again at the way Jesus lived, the way he loved, the way he died. He spoke truth in love. And it brought eternal benefits to those who would hear and trust. Just this past week, I met two people who were deeply affected by the Word of God. One was a young man who just started in our Westminster, the online program at Westminster Seminary. He's, I say young, he's 36. That's young. <laughs> um, but I sat down with him face to face. He's in the area. And we sat down and talked. I can tell he was kind of nervous and weary about doing this thing called seminary. And then he unfolded to me his life. He grew up not far from here. His father left when he was 10 years old. He became a street life. Got busted several times until he committed a serious crime. He spent 10 years in jail. 10 years of his young life. He got busted. A pastor and friends started visiting him. Brought the word of God to him. And the way he described it, Jerry, I didn't have to talk about, understand about being broken. I was broken. I was broke. What else was there? It was clear to me. I was broken. I got nothing. And somebody started talking to me about a word, about a man named Jesus. And that changed my life. That changed my life. Why am I here? I don't deserve to be here, but I can't get enough of the word of God. Jerry, I want to know Jesus better. My marriage is struggling. I don't know what I'm doing, but I want Jesus, the living word of God. It's saved my life. We've got a broken guy who can't get enough of Jesus. And then I met recently with a 93-year-old pastor named Howard Ziffer, who was Bev's pastor for years. I started dating her, and her father and mother said, you want to keep dating her daughter, you have to come to church with us. I wasn't a believer there. I was close to it, but I met Howard Ziffer. That man loved me. That man showed me Jesus. <laughs> that man had a major impact on my life. He served the Lord. He's still alive, but he's struggling. But for 93 years, and for 50, at least 50 of those years, more than that, he's been serving Jesus, bringing the word of God. And when we were together, you know what Howard and I talked about? Yeah, the memories, but we kept referring to this. <laughs> I said, Howard, you remind me of Psalm 1. Blessed is a man. And he again went off and say the whole thing in memory. I said, Howard, this is you. You taught me how to meditate day and night on the things of God. The Word of God. You showed me Jesus. Friends, I want to be around people like that. I want to be around people who are broken, but know that their hope is in Jesus and want to know Him more. So let me conclude that. That's how I began. What, friends, what is your focus? today? What are you thinking about even right now? What are you thinking about? Where's your, focus? Where's your default at the end of the day? 
What is your go-to when you face each day and you seek to understand who you are and who you are to be no matter what you face? Friends, the Word of God has come to us, not simply to help us, but to literally save us. He is the living Word that has come to dwell in us by His Spirit. The Bible really is all about Jesus from beginning to end. Our triune God has given us all we need. We need to always be looking first to Him and His Word daily, which always finds its fulfillment in Christ. My friends, let's get back our focus on Christ. Let's get back our focus on His Word. Let's live for Him who died for us. And may Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that you are the living God. You're not just a book to read or understand. You are a Savior to know. And we thank you that because of Jesus, the living Word, we have everything we need. But God, forgive us for how quickly we lose sight even of that. Make us hunger to know the Word of God and the Savior who is the fullest of that Word. Do that work in our spirits, especially as we come to your table now. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.